when folks look at BitMe and they realize that it's free, they're skeptical. Like they're looking for a catch, right? They're like, okay, but how are you making money? Oh, are you taking a big chunk of the job? Are you marking up my bid? How are, how are you doing this? And the truth is, is that we are free. Welcome to For Rent, conversations to better the rental industry. I'm your host, Mackenzie Wilson. Whether you're a first-time homeowner, an accidental landlord, a seasoned investor, or perhaps just a curious tenant, this is the podcast for you. Join the conversations. We cover best practices, industry news, and one-on-ones with thought leaders in the rental industry. We'll go deeper to uncover the lessons learned and get to the root cause of challenges facing the rental industry today. We'll empower you with the information you need to be a better landlord or a more informed tenant. Let's get to it. All right, welcome to another episode of For Rent, Conversations to Better the Rental Industry. I'm your host, Mackenzie Wilson. Uh, This was a treat and a pleasure. I got to sit down with the CEO and CTO of BidMe. That goes by John and Philip. They're a great conversation to have. I always really enjoy these conversations because I get to look into a bit of what's in their mindset. They're trying to move forward. And probably why I think this conversation will really benefit the mom and pop landlords out there is the cool thing about their platform. It's about connecting contractors and homeowners, but they do it in a way with embedded trust through the handling of the funds. What makes them probably a lot more different from Homestars or some of those other platforms that have tried doing this in the past is they've been able to get small repairs done quite fast and affordably. So if you need something as small as, say, getting an electrical outlet replaced at your house, or perhaps a leaky faucet replaced or repaired, you can get it done for less than 100 bucks. Can you imagine that? Send someone to your house to do a very small repair for an actually normally reasonable fee? Yeah, last we spoke, it was in the fall. I'm, I'm thinking it was October, might even be November. You guys are a month away or so from launching into Western Canada or coming pretty quickly on that. You guys have launched there because I see there's a couple Alberta-based projects. Uh, I'm watching the Calgary market. So h- how how's that been? What's been the biggest challenges to get into these new markets, particularly across Canada, say, for example? Yeah, sure. I'll say that the, the markets are really different uh, in each area. Like oh, yeah. whether there's, uh, you know, sort of immediate uptake interest uh, and, it, and it really varies region by region. I think the, uh, you know, there is out, out West, there's a certain level of skepticism that, you know, anything is going to get better with the introduction of technology. And, you know, we're not, you know, we're, <laughs> we're not arrogant enough to believe that we've got the perfect solution for, for everyone. But I'll say uh, adoption um, has been slower than than other areas mm-hmm. um, on the East Coast, for instance, uh, particularly in the contractor pool. I'll say we have our most passionate uh, group of, of contractors um, in, you know, all, all over the East Coast. Um, you, you mean opinionated? Is that is that the, is that the uh, descriptive word for the relationship? <laughs> Uh, on the East Coast, the contractor feedback has been that, look, people out here are, you know, salt of the earth. They are very skilled at what they do. We've got incredibly capable trades, um, but we're not good at actually sending invoices, sending receipts, mm-hmm. uh, collecting on money, 
people aren't good at actually paying their bills. And so BidMe actually fits that gap perfectly. Yeah. Right. It's it's they're saying like BidMe is the system that allows me to just go about my business, actually do the work. And because of the automated nature of, you know, collecting payments, distributing those funds, the automation of invoicing and receipts. Yeah. Now I can just go about my business, do the things I want to do and let you guys take care of the headaches. You know, in the in the West, uh, there's been, uh, I'd say, a little bit more resistance, you know, folks saying, no, I know how to run my business. I know what I'm doing and uh, I don't need any fancy tech. But I'll, I'll say that's probably that's probably more been with the older demographic. Uh, younger, uh, folks uh, call them, you know, the digital natives, um, are much more likely to see us as a, you know, as a very, very good solution. <laughs> yeah. Um, and they understand it right away. Uh, yeah. so that's, so that's helpful. Okay. The landlords and, uh, you know, that ilk, um, out West though, they, they've been pretty excited, yes. uh, just about the opportunity to just have, uh, a medium to go find contractors in their area. Cause they've been suffering on that, on okay. that front. Yeah, I'll say that on the on the landlord and realtor side, <laughs> like those are the those are definitely the two power users for sure. Oh yeah, well, and I, I, yeah, and I can see how that makes sense. I mean, if you can make make our lives easier all day long, right? I'd rather worry about something else than than a maintenance issue per se, or a renovation or whatever it might fit fit that bill. So it's kind of a, I know you guys always have this two horse challenge of you've got to build up the labor and the skill, and then the jobs from from the clients and the, the homeowners. Is one demographic more challenging a group to build up first over the other, or is it always just balancing act of, of kind of scaling in, in unison? Yeah, so I, I would say the the homeowner side and that homeowner, you know, includes landlords and realtors. The oh, homeowner yeah. side is, is much easier. I mean, everybody knows the problem that we're solving, right? Like the, you know, that the, the, the problem is not localized. Like across the country, it's 5% of renovations and with a stolen deposit, you know, major urban areas, you know, Vancouver, Calgary, you know, Toronto, Montreal, yeah. it's approaching 10% of projects that end with a stolen deposit. I mean, that is a, that is a very real, very large uh, problem. So to acquire a homeowner user is is really easy. It's yeah. it's basically as soon as they find out that we exist, if they have a need, they're coming to bid me. They're posting a project. I'll say like by and large that growth is through word of mouth. Yeah. Um, and once somebody's used us once, they're they're shouting us from the rooftops. I'll say on the on the contractor side, it's a little bit more difficult to uh, to to break down the door. But once a contractor has completed their first job on BidMe and they see how fast that money hits their bank account and they realize that, oh, they didn't actually have to lift a finger in order to make that happen. That's when we see them back on our platform. You know, they've been on 12 jobs in, you know, two hours and they're telling all of their friends like it's, it's as soon as even in a remote area. Right. Where you're, you know, you may not be in Calgary, you may not be in Edmonton, but you're in like Lethbridge, you know, you see one contractor complete one job. And then in the next week and a half, we've got another two dozen contractors who sign up for the platform. We know that's word of mouth getting out there. I think on the contractor side of things, there's a there's a healthy amount of skepticism. Uh, and it's because most of these guys have already been burned by other platforms. 
who say, you know, I'm the ones who are going to get you the leads and you need to pay me a bunch of money uh, up front in order to make that happen. Oh. And it's either, you know, a big annual subscription or it's, you know, a big, you need to pay us $50 a lead or $30 a lead, but it's up for the contractor to actually close that deal and make it happen. And, you know, the feedback has been, you know, that they're sick of that. They don't want that anymore. They know it doesn't really work. And when folks look at BidMe and they realize that it's free, they're skeptical. Like they're looking for a catch, right? They're like, okay, but how are you making money? Oh, are you taking a big chunk of the job? Are you marking up my bid? How are, how are you doing this? And the truth is, is that, you know, we are free. And I think they don't actually realize that until they, you know, finish that that first job and see that money hit their bank account. And that's when they're like, holy shit, this is real. Right. Yeah. yeah. So so the base accounts features are, are free for both parties. Your, your guys is your, your premium upsells on the contractor sides where most of the revenue is focused for your business. Yeah. I mean, that, uh, yeah, I say, we, you know, we're free and it always begs the question, OK, well, how do you guys make money? And, you know, truthfully, yeah, we make money by having these premium features that a contractor can subscribe to if they choose to. Right. And and that gives them advanced access to jobs. It gives them a custom website, a, a whole bunch of things. Um, but the whole idea is come to our platform, check it out. Let us show you the value to your business. And then if you choose to upgrade, so be it. Right. And, and, you know, and by and large, once people are seeing that value, they upgrade. Cool. All right. All right. Let, let, let's, let's pivot. I, I know we kind of went right into the running, which I always appreciate because uh, <laughs> I get to ask my questions. Um, but for well, the folks, I can be, I can be long winded, like hey. just, you give me an opening and, and, and I'll, I'll go. No, no worries. I'll, let's get you guys introduced. So, so I've got the, the CEO and the CTO of, of BidMe, John and Philip. So, a quick background, I guess, like, how did you guys get connected? And where did this idea of BidMe come from? Was it was it you guys? Did it come from somewhere else? Just what's the birth story of BidMe here? Yeah, how did we get connected, Phil? Um, yeah, we, we got uh, connected in high school. Yeah. Uh, so, oh, cool. uh, you know, we, we, met in, we met in high school, uh, worked on projects together, homework, et cetera, uh, you know, uh, Hung out uh, here and there, and, uh, and then we reconnected in, in university as well a little bit. You know, I pitched John on a business idea, and John, being a much better pitch, uh, counter pitched me with uh, with with uh, his idea of uh, of bid me, and yeah. uh, then we uh, you know we started chatting about really making it happen, and uh, it started coming together really really quickly. So. <laughs> yeah, no. Uh, Mackenzie, my, my background is in the restaurant development industry, right? So, so helping restaurant brands grow and, and grow quickly. Um, I handled everything from franchising to real estate, design and construction. And in that world, um, you know, there are standard operating procedures. There are best in class practices and, and systems that, that most people, you know, have bought into. Mm -hmm. So when you are going to lease a space and build a restaurant, you have this, you know, this network of folks who are just geared up, ready to go. And even if you're going into a new geography, there are people there who have done it before. They know exactly how it works. And it's a relatively smooth process. You know, not to say that there aren't issues and hiccups and hurdles and that sort right. of thing. 
but it's just everyone's playing by the same basic rule book. And so it's it's a very streamlined process. And, you know, in in that world, you know, building restaurants across the country, around the world, you know, we developed a lot of uh, of our own systems, uh, you know, taking off the shelf automation tools and plugging in them in the various processes al- along the way and just speeding up the whole thing. You know, when the when the pandemic hit and shut down the the restaurant development world, or at least the you know the financing, for everything with the human interaction. World. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah, yeah, every human interaction. Yeah. yeah, I you know it was like, hey, why don't we why don't we take this domain knowledge and this expertise and apply it to residential renovations? And and I'll and I'll say like you know yeah it was a it was a business idea. But it was also solving some personal problems for me too, you know, because I'm, you know, running around building all these restaurants, but my wife's letting me have it because I still haven't finished the basement. And, uh, you know, and I'm struggling to, yeah. <laughs> to find contractors to help me do that. When, and so it should be, you know, we all house, but it's just finding that time, right? That's well, yeah. and it's finding the right people. And, yeah. and, and how do you trust them? Like, how do you know, like you can't trust online reviews anymore like by and large and uh, yeah you know how, how do you how do you know i want to pivot off that question john so, so, yeah. so you, you've kind of highlighted you pivot you're gone into residential i can kind of cut this too from a single key side your client tell i'm gonna make an assumption and tell me if i'm right or wrong or or, or, or correctly it's a bit of a, a two-headed challenge in the sense that one you're building out the process obviously to, to facilitate to get the transaction but is there also a bit of leading the blind because they don't know what they don't know? And, and I know with our, our demographic, we get a lot of landlords that come in the business that don't really know what they're doing, but they might be there by, by necessity. So I guess if they, if they need a renovation. So it, it's ma- making best practices mandatory in the, in the process and the flow. Is, is that, I'm just curious on how you guys yeah, see yeah, that yeah, dynamic totally. from your side. Yeah, no, no, it's... Uh... We definitely uh, shoehorning people into the best practice, right? Like it's, I think you use the word, you know, forcing, uh, and that's and that's really what it is, yeah. right? Like it's 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 forcing a new way, but it's, you know, I think a, a big part of our challenge is, you know, we still need to get things done in a manner that resembles the way that folks want it to get it done, and you know marrying that with the best in class practices, you know, taking, you know, letting them know like, Hey, we've, you know, we've done this, you know, a million times, let us show you the way it, uh, it's a really interesting dynamic when it goes against somebody's instinct, right? Yeah. It's the, you know, a great example of that is I'll give an example of somebody who, uh, you know, posts a, a painting project in, in downtown Toronto on a on a Monday morning, mm-hmm. well, they're going to get you know six questions from six different contractors, you know, within the first couple of hours, right? And it's like, what's the square footage? What's the you know, mm-hmm. uh, what yeah. kind of paint do you want? Like all, all of the typical questions uh, that a homeowner would get, and you know, occasionally the homeowner's like, yeah, just give me your number, I'll call you, and it's like, uh, uh, like yeah. the moment that happens, you're back to the old way of doing things. Right. Like the minute that happens, you're you're off platform. We can no longer protect your payment. And that's why you're here. Like, that's why you told us that you need us. 
the help chef and, in the process. And, yeah, yeah. Everybody's and, and so, you know, helping people understand that is really challenging. Mm. It's it's really challenging. But I'll say we're, you know, we're constantly um, implementing, call them features, right? We're constantly implementing these features that try to eliminate those points of conflict between the way somebody wants to do something and uh, in the best way. And, you know, the perfect example of that on the, you know, on the question and answer piece is that we recently implemented some generative AI so that when a homeowner is is describing their their project, um, we can actually help them with that. And we can actually help them flesh out a bunch of the details. So there's not that need for the, the, the question back, and answer. The, the, back, the, and the back and forth. Yeah, I was kind of wondering about that because... And, not, and I'm super curious because I look at what I know and my comfort lo- or, uh, level, and it's completely trade depend. Some of the stuff I'm actually decently fair, um, uh, comfortable around. But other stuff, it's like if someone's a smooth talker, I, I could easily go down the wrong road, right? So, oh, me too. <laughs> yeah. So, so how, how do you, how are you guys bridging that gap between the consumer and the trades, basically getting faster, getting to an accurate quote? Yeah. So, like, what, what we talk about in terms of speed is getting to the point, uh, like is decreasing the time to trust. So, so decreasing the, the amount of time it gets to the takes to get to the point of, I totally trust you. Let's do this thing. Yeah. Okay. Right. Cool. And, and a big part of that, it actually happens during project closeout. When a project is being closed out on BidMe, the contractor is taking a picture of the completed work. They're marking it as done that flies over to the homeowner and they can either approve the project, move on to ratings and reviews or provide a, you know, a deficiency list for, for them to correct. But ultimately the trust is built into our rating and review process, right? Because we hold funds in trust, every single rating and review that you see on BidMe is purchase verified and comes with before and after photos. So when you're looking at a contractor's profile and you're saying, hey, you know, has this guy done this work before? What do other homeowners have to say about them? You can, you know, sleep well at night uh, knowing that this is a purchase verified review. It's a real rating and review. Here's the here's the pictures of the work that's been completed. And here are the comments from the homeowner. Right. So that trust gets built up okay. much faster. Sir, when the homeowners are then reviewing all those quotes, they're mm-hmm. looking at all those profiles, looking at all the reviews, uh, they're all structured the exact same way, which means they're making, you know, a fair comparison of each contractor that submitted their quote. All the quotes are also structured the same way. So, you know, you're not looking at one person's invoice and trying to decipher how that translates to another company's invoice. Uh, and all of that helps to make the decision uh, a lot easier for the homeowner. So, Philip, you're avoiding that 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 invoice that comes in. It's one line item, and it's six thousand dollars, and it contains thirty five individual, uh, you know, pieces to that to, to that job. You know what? That's a really good. That's actually a really good question. So, the way that our larger projects are structured is they're structured in very easily identifiable stages. So, you know, a, a typical contractor quote, when they're putting it together, let's say it's a, you know, washroom renovation or, or finishing a basement, they're going to say, look, here's the total scope of the project, here's the total price, and I want payments in 30, 30, 30, 10. 
right? 30% deposit, 30% when I say so, 30% when we're nearing the end and, you know, 10% after we're finished. You know, that structure is just, is completely open to massive issues, right? Like that 30, 30, 30, 10, it's like, when is 60% of the project completed? How do you know that? Right. It's typically just when the contractor tells you it's done and he needs more money. That way of doing things is rife with issues. The, well, and, and those, if you're to use those as milestones for the project, does 30 actually represent 30% of the work done? Who knows? Nine times out of 10 or 99 times out of 10 or 100? Probably not. You know, no. I, I've done one large project. I built a, a detached garage on my one property. It was an eye-opening experience. Got it done, but costed a lot more than than what I initially had had planned for. And um, uh, it wasn't really a fun experience at the time. I was not happy. Looking back, I, I you know uh, I look at it as a good, a good learning opportunity to move forward to do better in my in my investor and landlording business. But uh, I'm sure you've heard all these stories of like what could go wrong and what has gone wrong and. Well, yeah, and I digress. Oh, to- to- totally, and 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 it's and it's why we've structured our, our platform the way we have, right? So when you're building a, a new garage, the the stages aren't thirty, 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 ten. They're you know on a on a project like that, you've probably got twelve stages, mm. right? And and the first stage might be land clearing. The second stage is going to be you know foundation poured. Third stage framing. Right. These are these are very well defined scopes of work so that you as a as a homeowner who's who's doesn't know as much about this as a contractor can look at it and say, is the foundation poured? It's like, oh, again, it is like there's the foundation. OK, hit the approve button. Here we go. Moving on. Yeah, it's, it's broken out that way, not only so that homeowners can understand what's getting done when and what is it worth. But it's also built that way so that contractors can get paid as the project moves along, right? Yeah. And there's and there's no awkwardness around, hey, I'm going to need more money for this, this, and this. It's like, well, no, no, no. We've got a schedule. Like, if you need more money, finish the next stage, and we can go from there. So, so actually, that raises a good question. Um, on a bathroom renovation or a room renovation or a part of a house, I guess like a kitchen, when you guys hold the money in trust, depending on the project type, do you guys release money in, in different intervals throughout the duration of the project? Or generally, is the money held in trust to the very end of that completion? Hey there, sorry for the quick interruption. This podcast is all based on the collective wisdom of everyone. It's interactive. We absolutely need your input and feedback. So if there's a comment, a question, a best practice that you've learned that relates to an episode or just something that's come across your mind you think would be great for the show. We are all about taking this collective wisdom to better the rental industry. Please, please share with us, good or bad, we'll take it all. I've got tough skin. Um, you can send your questions and concerns and feedback all to forrent at singlekey.com. Okay, let's get you right back in that episode. Thank you so much. As, as each stage is completed, a, a contractor will take images of that completed stage and they'll be uploaded to the, the homeowner. Uh, they'll approve uh, each stage as it's completed and that money will be quickly released to the contractor um, it, as the approvals come in. 
in terms of project size, like typically projects that are sort of $5,000 and under that's happening in one stage. Like it's just, Hey, here's your, here's your quote. This is going to take me three days. You know, they knock it out approved. All the money's released. Anything over $5,000 is typically being bid out in multiple stages. Okay. Right. The, the, the biggest pushback that we get on the staged payout system is from contractors who say, Hey, like, I don't, I don't actually have the money to float the materials on this project. Um, you know, what do we, what do we do here? And, and our advice is always the same, like make your first stage material drop off. Right. And so it's literally when the material has been delivered to that homeowner's house, you know, click the approve button, those funds are released. Well, now those funds are in the contractor's pocket and, you know, and they've paid for those materials, right? So they they only have to float the material cost for, you know, 72 hours as opposed to, you know, 30 days or three months. Yeah. All right. So we should, this this is probably a great time to cover what exactly is bid me? What makes you guys different in the marketplace for the average Joe's listening to this for the first time? Yeah, absolutely. So as a, as a homeowner, landlord, realtor, what have you, the first step is project creation. So this is where you're giving your project a title and it's, it's whatever you want to do. It can be anything from change this door handle. Yes, that's a real project. My wife has had a door handle changed uh, all the way up to build my custom home. And the description section is where you're going to flesh out a lot of those details. Now, if you want help from our AI, you can hit instant description and it will provide you a templated description based on the title that you've provided. And oh. it will flesh out a bunch of the details uh, for you. Because I don't know yeah. what I should include in a project. I know what I want done. How do I get there? How do I describe it? I don't know. Exactly. And, and oftentimes it will, it will also outline the steps of the project. Yep. Uh, so it really helps to wrap a, a homeowner's head around, okay, this is actually what this project looks like. And, and, but you can modify it. You can make any changes that you want to. Um, and then we tease out a few more details. There's a few more questions to answer. Um, and we also provide the opportunity to take some photos. So the idea is take a bunch of photos of the area that you're wanting renovated, um, provide as much detail as possible. Obviously on the much larger projects, uh, this would also be the time when folks are uploading drawings and, you know, w- whether it's architectural, mechanical, electrical, plumbing, okay. um, and, and those individual scopes. Um, but that creates your project. Cool. The platform will then take your project and send it to every single contractor who serves your geography in that category of work. And it, and it lets them know about it. Now, when the contractor sees your project come in, they can either ignore it if they're if they're busy uh, or if it's not the project for them. They can ask you a question, uh, as we previously mentioned. They can request a site visit to actually come and see uh, the, the project and, and work out any other details. Or if they feel like they've got enough information and, and when they feel like they have enough information, mm. they can submit their bid on your project. As a homeowner, you can then review all of the different bids in a you know stacked order. Um, we we highlight different contractors for either having uploaded their insurance or uh, you know their workers comp, uh, all of those pieces, 
and then but you're gonna, you're really going to see the the ratings and reviews stacked up against the contractor's pricing when the homeowner chooses the contractor that they want to work with it's at that point when we collect the funds and we hold those funds in trust now if it's a smaller project like we mentioned five thousand dollars under typical we will collect the entirety of those funds and hold them in trust if it's a multi-stage project it's up to the homeowner they can fund the entire project at once if they want if that's easier or they can fund a stage at a time as they go i'm shocked at the number of homeowners who are like no i only want to make one payment here you go (laughs) here's you know here's the entire amount and then it's up to the contractor to do the work. Uh, and, you know, as, as we mentioned, contractor completes stage one, takes that after photo, it flies over to the homeowner, they hit the approve button, money's released, homeowner funds stage two, and we go from there. Ultimately, cool. you know, ending up with the purchase verified rating and review, which makes our platform stronger and stronger with every project that's com- been completed. Yeah, I mean, you guys are really compiling a, a unique data set on on the trade side of the business. And, you know, having that information presented in the before and after photos consistently uh, showing that track record is pretty powerful. Yeah, I mean, the biggest, our biggest differentiator, you know, can be boiled down to the fact that a lot of the other competitors out there, they're introducing people, um, but a lot of them are just leaving, leaving the business and the actual work up to the homeowners and contractors to figure out on their own. That's a lot uh, left out of the picture. And we're here from beginning to end. And we're also holding those funds in trust, uh, which is protecting both the homeowner and the contractor. And really, that's you know, that's our biggest differentiator and uh, no one else is doing it. It's it's making sure that the homeowner and the contractor are on a level playing field, right? Through, throughout the project. Um, Nobody, nobody holds sway. It's, it's, let's get this done. Our, uh, our, our goals are aligned. You know, I think one of the, uh, one of the funniest things uh, and completely unexpected uh, for us is, you know, as we were building this, we thought, that a lot of these projects were going to be awarded to the lowest bidder. And, okay. and that was just going to be like, and that was just going to be how it worked. Right. And yeah. much to our surprise, that is not the case. Uh, it's, you know, it's over 70% of the projects get awarded to the contractor with the highest rating. And, and the contractor with the highest rating is, is quite often the highest bidder. What we can glean from that is that, you know, people actually just want quality. They don't want to have to worry about it. And when they see that high price paired with that really high rating, mm-hmm. they all of a sudden understand why it costs that much, yeah. right? Versus the mid-tier guy with the mid-ratings or the guy with no ratings and reviews who's you know coming in with a sharpened pencil. Yeah. It, it really yeah. puts that high-priced guy in context. And it's like, oh, okay, here is the you know, here's the delta between the high price and the mid price, but that's also the delta of performance and, you know, the amount of lifting that the, that the homeowner has to do too. Okay. So, uh, you get me thinking here. So, so from what you guys are seeing from the transactions going through your platform, let's speak from the homeowner to the landlord side. What are some, some tips or suggestions that will help get a better result and, and perhaps 
give me a, a couple pitfalls to avoid or common mistakes you see when people get onto your platform? Yeah, sure. Uh, the I would say the um, the way to get the most out of the platform as a landlord is just provide as much detail as you can when you're actually creating the job. It doesn't need to be a ridiculous amount of detail, but if you say things like, I am a landlord and I need this done by X date, my budget is Y, you will get a ton of responses right away. And, uh, you know, a lot of people are worried that when they provide a budget to a contractor, that a contractor is just going to give that that price, right? <laughs> like, oh, uh, your, budget is, your, your budget's five grand, perfect, I'll do it for five grand, right? But what we've seen is that that can actually dramatically speed up the the amount of responses that you get because certain contractors renovate washrooms for $5,000. Certain contractors will only renovate washrooms for $15,000. And so by, by actually providing your budget, you are going to dramatically speed up the response time from contractors and, and get somebody who is equipped to do it at that price. So let's expand upon that. Uh, I'm fearful because one, I don't know what I don't know. So if yeah. I list a, a, a dollar point, you know, as you mentioned, I could get, I feel like I might get taken, taken for it. But how do I even know if my price points um, uh, realistic or not? I guess by, do I get responses or don't get responses, I guess. Or- I'll say there's, there, there, there's, yeah. So you can, you can either, you know, say what your budget is yeah. or you can be really specific on the types of materials that you want right? It's, you can kind of go either way, right? So if you are renovating your, your two piece bathroom and you're saying, I have a budget of, you know, $8,000 for your two piece bathroom, uh, you could either say that, or you can say, no, I want the flooring to be a single slab of marble. And it's like, you're going to get the same message across, right? Like it's, so, but a lot of the time the homeowner doesn't know the finishes that, that they want. Uh, they know what they want it to look like. So, you know, you can include the, you know, the Pinterest inspiration photos. You can, you can include a mood board. If you have one, you know, you can provide very specific material selections, uh, which are super, super helpful. Um, but if you want to just shortcut that, yeah, you can just provide your budget and, and you'll hit the same. And the market will kind of also end up painting a picture. Uh, yeah, you're going to receive the quotes and yeah. the quotes, regardless of whether whatever your budget is uh, based on your description, the quotes are going to end up telling you exactly what it should cost. And Perfect. eventually you're going to see, OK, it's a range. This is and here's the top end, here's the low end. And uh, and so you will find out what that what that price range is. The quotes that you get back probably vary in a level of detail, depending on, on each contractor. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes, dramatically. And the, and the quotes that you get back will tell you quite a bit about the contractor as yeah, well. I would imagine. Okay. They're, they're the contractors that outline every step and every day that it is going to take them to do this and what is happening each day. You know, the time they're going to show up in the morning, the time they're going to leave at, at night and, and what to expect. Um, and then there's other contractors who are just going to tell you that they're the best for the job and to trust yeah. them. Yeah. Yeah. So, and I'm glad you bring that up or we kind of go down this path because going through projects I've done in the past and and my experience, I'm I'm business and IT. I don't 
do a lot of swinging hammers. I mean, I say my kids make fun of me because I, I go, dad's working and they go like this and they walk away. And so, so swinging hammer, a lot of stuff like it's, it's, it's not my forte, but as I got more and more quotes around a specific ask, like replacing windows, it became very clear that some quotes were like Ooh, pretty questionable. The other one's like, here's the thickness of the wall. Here's the layers. Here's the molding, the whatever, the whatever, the whatever to get that window. And they're like, okay, I have confidence because now I understand a little bit more of what the process is. And this person is disclosing it. Now I've got that trust factor going up. Yeah, so, no, totally. We, we, we see, uh, I mean, we've got, <laughs> we've got the viewpoint where we can see everything that's happening on the platform. Yeah. Uh, we see a wide variety of, uh, of, of skill level in the, uh, in, in putting a quote together for sure. Cool. Okay. So, so, so going, uh, you know, I'm asking a bit of self-serving, but for, for an audience of investors and landlords <laughs> with, with multiple properties, there's a difference in terms to renovate to sell and to renovate, to rent out to the next person. It, it's my best analogy is A plus students were going to sell, but you know, I, I just need a B minus or even a C plus. Depends on what the area is. I need quality but i don't need a perfect finish to keep the property in and uh, market ready rental condition so have you guys taken that kind of um need into consideration the platform uh, or do you have suggestions around me being that type of landlord where i you know i, I want a certain renovation i don't need the most expensive one but i do need certain facets like it being quality over and done right. Yeah, you need something that's actually going to last that can take a beating and keep going. Doesn't need to be, but yeah, it doesn't need to be the perfectly like finely tuned painted corner of every part of the yeah the the project. Yeah, I I would say that's. I mean, there's there is a reason that landlords are our power users, right? <laughs> <laughs> that's the, yeah, um, and, but I'll say like those are the types of details that I would encourage all like homeowner users uh, to include in the project description right okay so 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 if i first correctly i'm gonna I'm highlight that so like maybe a pro tip taken away here us in this side of the business mention that multiple homes yeah. rental properties landlord investor because that will probably attract the type of contractor that gets and understands our business and i'll probably attract the right type of quotes i'm looking for and, and, and i'll tell you like it will attract a lot more contractors like mm-hmm. like saying this is a rental property. Like I don't want to spend an arm and a leg, but I need the living room painted. Like that is going to attract a lot more contractors because they know that this is an in out, get it done type job. And, and that's really, really like, that's good work for a contractor who, you know, (laughs) who has a few days free in their schedule, right? <laughs> like they're like, Hey, I can go and knock that out. No problem. And then get back to this huge project I'm working on over cool. here. Okay. Yeah. They'd be much happier quoting those landlords than someone yes. like my mother who may spend the next six to nine months picking the paint color. Yeah. So, <laughs> so, so, so let's go off of that note, Philip. I, I was kind of thinking this as well. Scope creep, right? I think I want this. And then as I learn more and more about the process, I realize I want features A, B, and C, and D, and F, or wherever they, that list might kind of grow. How do you guys deal with that? Is that, is, is that even a problem with your platform? Or because you've been pretty probably clear and concise up front with the quote that doesn't happen? Or what does that look like? Like Is that, is that a problem? 
Yeah, I mean, I, I think we have taken, you know, we've, we've done a lot to make it as smooth as possible and to make sure the details are there in the beginning. I would say like what what really happens is when somebody does get their living room painted, you know, it's the it's the whole thing of, oh, well, now my kitchen doesn't look great because oh, my yes. living room's painted like and I really want my kitchen painted now. And, you know, the painter's standing there. You're not going to go and post another project that says paint my kitchen. Right. Especially when you're super happy with the work that's just been completed. You say, hey, would you mind painting my kitchen as well? And at that point, the contractor can actually add a stage to the project uh, and and have you fund that stage so that they can get started on the kitchen. Oh, interesting. So so essentially in the flow, you've almost built in another project or milestone that can be agreed upon and then almost repeat the same process. But exactly. have it under, from your guys' perspective, right inside the platform, it's one, still one project, or does it get broken out yes. separately into another no, task? Still, still one project. It's just a, it's an additional stage to that project. Yeah. A contractor can click an add-on button on their project, and within a minute, could easily create another uh, another section to that quote, and they're off to the races. Um, it's okay. uh, incredibly smooth. And, and the reason that we built it that way is like, we know that there are going to be design changes. We, we know that people are going to change their mind on, on certain things. Um, and we needed a, a process that, that took that into account, mm-hmm. right? It's, it's, you know, everyone's heard the, you know, the scary stories of, of opening up a wall and, and finding mold or asbestos. There's, there's something that the contractor, you know, couldn't possibly have been aware of. Um, and is now having to deal with, yeah, that's the, that's the appropriate place for an add-on. You know, we wanted to do this in a way where everything was above board and it's not simply a contractor coming back and asking for more money because they didn't quote something properly, right? It's, it's not the contractor coming back and saying, well, this is actually requiring more flooring than I thought. Uh, I need more money. It's like, no, 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 that's not how this works. Yeah. Like you, you quoted this amount to get this work done. It's been very, you know, very well described. You did a site visit, you took the measurements. This is the scope, right? So it's, it's finding a balance between those two different iterations that, that people are used to when you talk about scope creep or, or project creep. Good. Good. And and keeping everyone honest. I I like that because, Again. Yeah. And, and, and honestly, for the for the contractor, too, right? Like when somebody says, hey, I'd, I'd love it if you could paint my kitchen and the contractor goes ahead and paints the kitchen, the homeowner turns around and says, oh, I thought it was all included. It's like, what are you nuts? Like, of course, you know, like, of course it wasn't included. Yeah. And with the add on of a stage and the funding of that stage before the work begins, it takes care of any of those weird conversations that, that sometimes happen. Yeah. And so, so one thing I wanted to, I know from a previous conversation I want to bring up in our highlight is, is you said you've seen cases where uh, I could get someone to come to a rental property and let's say it is as mundane as changing a power outlet or something that that's super simple, but I'm not paying over a hundred bucks. I can actually in fact get done for yeah. probably less. Oh no, absolutely. Yeah. So the, the prime example and you know, happened very early days. It was a, it was a realtor who was also a landlord and had a rental property and he was just testing out the platform and he posted the project and it was changed this faucet and he had it bid like within, I don't know, it was like within half an hour or something. He had a bid for $58 
and awarded it right away. Like didn't even wait for more bids to come in. And, you know, the contractor was like, great, reached out to him right away. And it was done like it was completed early afternoon. I like to use that example because then he hit Twitter and every social media feed right away. It's like, holy cow, everyone, you have to check out Bid Me. I can't believe I was able to get this done. Like normally I couldn't get a plumber out of bed for less than $300. And I just got a faucet changed for 58. And you know what, like for that contractor, for that plumber, you know, it's not getting out of bed and going and doing a site visit and then going and buying materials and then going and back and overhead thing. increases, increases, it, increases. Yeah. It's, it's, it's a guy who was sitting in his truck and he had a few hours to kill and he happened to have a replacement faucet that would fit in the truck. Right. So he drove over and changed it and it was done. Yeah. That's a huge appeal factor for, for, for someone like myself, especially being busy, kids, family, day job, rental properties on the side, time's valuable. But at the same time, I don't like paying retail pricing for something. I'm like, God, I could do it myself for a lot cheaper, <laughs> but I don't want to do it. So where's this balance? And I think that's a really great way to, to answer that. Somebody told us recently that bid me is effectively bridging the gap between do it yourself and do it for me. <laughs> Fair enough. Definitely. Okay. Well, let's. Let's pivot here. Let's. Uh, I'm so from from for both of you guys. Lo- looking forward. Two question: Where do you guys see the biggest opportunities, or where this industry is going, and what's the biggest challenge that you guys are both facing right now, uh, guiding the ship of, of Bidney? So, where the industry is going, um, it's uh, there's a, there's a term that gets tossed around in in property tech uh, circles, and and it is home ownership as a service. And the idea being that people want to live in their homes. They don't want to be working on their homes. They, they just want to live in them. And if, if, you know, they have the tools and the resources to be able to automate, you know, as much as possible of the, of the upkeep uh, of the renovations uh, that, that they will. Hmm. Um, and, and that's the direction that, you know, that, that I see it going in. Cool. Um, is is more of that all encompassing home ownership uh, as a service, Philip? And your add on there or, sure. or something different? Yeah, I guess. And, and on the tech front, you know, I think we're we're seeing a lot with AI right now. Uh, we're we're getting involved with it ourselves. Um, so you know, similar to when robotics kind of got into the industrial world, uh, I think everyone was afraid that you know we'd see factories without any any people in them and. Uh, you know, I think uh, probably a middle ground is more like what we're going to see. And so we're probably going to it's going to be companies uh, like ours that are going to be trying to find this middle ground for completely automated and uh, and and some manual aspects of the platform. So, you yeah. know, we're going to we're getting to be a part of that AI, um, you know, shift ourselves. And that's uh, super exciting as well. And it's really exciting to see you know, folks using our platform and, and using the AI integrations um, when these people are not, they're not tech people, right? And yeah. and to see the delight that happens when they're like, holy cow, like I can actually use AI, like this is cool. Like I just need to plug in these details and I can use AI, whoa, right? Like it's it's a pretty mind-blowing, like lightning in a bottle type thing when 
when non-digital natives are are using AI to make their lives easier? You know, if you, if you had told me AI, I don't know how many years ago or five or 10 or wherever, when it was first coming on the scene, would be relevant to businesses like ours, I'd be like, that makes no sense. But now it's yeah. like how we're folding these things together is just incredibly, uh, just super interesting. Things like uh, the use cases coming out now are just, uh, I would never have guessed 10 years ago. Oh, no. it Like, it's not going to be long before a contractor does a site visit, like records a few voice notes and has a fully customized, like built out uh, quote for that homeowner that is not only based off of language models, but is also based off of that contractor's work history mm-hmm. and and I- exactly what they're capable of. Like we're, you know, we're <laughs> we're not far from that at all. Like, like probably six months. Like it's, it's really close. Wow. Yeah. And we, we've been playing a, a lot around with, with chat GPT and, and seeing some of the outputs for some of the use cases. You're like, oh, wow. And again, there's still that key factor of that human oversight because depending on, on, again, on, on what you're trying to do is, is still very critical. So you just got me thinking here. I was trying to wrap up the show, but now I have to ask one more question. Uh, this is probably <laughs> That's going the way to, it always happens. Yeah, I'm going I'm I'm to throw someone as Philip. So, so, so you guys mentioned where the, this AI becoming and, and, and coming into your guys' industry. What about the crypto side and smart contracts and Ethereum around? Because you guys have done it. Like I, I, I think as we move forward, is this digital proof definitely a consistent way of these uh, these um, legitimate reviews, right? Not just these ghost reviews or meaningless reviews, but you've 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 provided that 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 really important context for me to make the informed decision of what this person can can not do. Going back to, am I renovating to, to get my next tent quality, or am I going A plus to sell to someone who's going to put the money in the line to buy this forever? So there's that that that. That context is so important. What do you? How do you see crypto? I guess coming into the future of what you guys are doing. Is there is there an intersection coming down the road? You see, or what does that look like to uh, to you? Oh, well, I, I'm sure that you know someone's probably working on incorporating blockchain technology into you know reviews and, and profiles, or you know accolades and achievements such as identity verifications, what have you. Uh, like, I'm sure that there are you know, probably people working on that and, um, you know, and trying to make that, uh, you know, a viable solution, Um, you know, whether or not it's really going to end up being viable, though, you know, I think it remains to be seen. I mean, like the crypto industry has been incredibly chaotic. Mm -hmm. And, and so, um, you know, I'm not sure if I've seen yet the, you know, the real practical application of it. Um, you know, for the, for those for those types of uh, you know purposes yet. Okay. But I'm sure people are working on it today. Um, absolutely. Okay. What What are you guys? What do you guys see as your biggest challenges that you guys move forward with Bidme? I mean, the biggest the biggest challenge I think we're facing right now is uh, is on our monetization strategy of our of our actual our our SaaS product, right? And um, we currently just have you know one product where it's like, hey, this is how much it costs. These are all of the features. And this is your, you know, your annual fee that that comes with that. Mm. Um, and I think it's it's one of the uh, one of the challenges that we're, we're currently working on uh, with the help of our, our friends at Google, because we're part of the Google Accelerator, 
and and they're really helping us to understand a more comprehensive monetization strategy where it's like hey you know for this particular feature set that is really popular with contractors maybe you make that available at a at a lower price point oh. and then the ones that are highly valuable but only to a few contractors maybe that becomes a, a more expensive uh, price point at a, at a higher tier um, and so that's something that we're we're working through right now and we should have that you know a multi-tiered uh, approach or at least the first iteration of a multi-tiered approach rolling out in you know the next month or so and and I'll say like it's our biggest challenge but it's also the thing that we're most excited about because in in tackling that challenge, we've had to do a ton of uh, research and, and outreach uh, within our contractor community um, and actually learn about what they uh, what they think are the are the major value props. Um, and that's that's been a really, really good experience for us. Very cool. I love it. Awesome. Okay. One last question and I'll wrap up with the closing questions for really, I guess, two free gentlemen. Um, what is what is the most important metric that you guys are using for success right now? What what is the way to look at that? It's a great question. I know. I'm I'm, <laughs> I'm asking these open ended ones. So I'll I'll give you some context. I had a really cool conversation uh, last fall uh, with this developer that focused uh, primarily on um, student rentals, and they they did a tower downtown Toronto. Uh, his name was Matt Stein. And he went to this this uh, Europe festival or, or, or conference for, for multifamily student rentals. And it was the most interesting metric he gave me. He says, we measure success by the number of friendships a student has when they first move into our rentals and when they first leave. And, oh. and if they have, I can't remember what the threshold is, like six or eight. If they have at least five or six really good defined friendships, they know they're doing something right because now they've got the experience factor uh, understood and they do this with, with quarterly surveys. And that's how they measure success for a student rental bill and nothing to do with like amenities or vacancies or whatever, whatever. It was, are the students moving in building friendships? And that was how they, they viewed their success going on. I thought that was such a layer two removed, but so powerful is it did a really good job of encapsulating what they're trying to do. Yeah, I'd say ours is ours is a little bit more plain Jane than that. <laughs> you know, they, yeah, you know the, the the main success metrics that that we look at are either growth related or uh, or the number of bids per project. Uh, oh, okay, on, cool. On average, on on whole, right? Cool. And and I'll say the. I'd say the growth metrics are a little bit more nuanced um, because we don't really do any advertising. So mm-hmm. when we are seeing growth, it is we we can know in our heart of hearts that that growth is coming from word of mouth because people are having positive experiences. Totally. And so that is like I'll say the growth is our key metric, not just for our own selfish reasons, but because it is showing that. Uh, that people are finding a ton of value and they're and they're spreading the good word. Very cool. Okay. All right. Let's sure. wrap. Well, yeah. Do you want to, do you want to add on that? No. I mean, I I do think growth is our you know what we're we're focusing on uh, primarily. And uh, you know, I did want to touch on the fact that coming back to you know what are our challenges is understanding. I mean, there's so much to measure in in the application um, and just understanding 
which one of these dials as, as they're moving, how does that impact growth? And, and, and when there's so many different, um, you know, aspects, which are, you know, or dials that are, that are changing, um, you know, understanding the correlations, it, it, it is challenging. Yeah. When you got all these variables up play, right. And you're trying to tweak one to see if you're getting that result, you know, you know, truthfully know that that's the, the driver of that result. Um, I totally understand it. Yeah, I mean, our, ours too is very similar. I wish we had something as cool as that magic, but I, I want to go back to folding around because I think we have a similar demographic of educating and providing best practices to a consumer base that probably inherently doesn't have it when they first get started in the business to minimize, to minimize that risk down the road. Do we have a metric for that yeah. yet? No. Well, that's what I want to do. <laughs> yeah. 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 Cool. Um, Love it. So d- just a, f- a fun little question I, I wrap up. I always enjoy and ask this. If someone was to look at your LinkedIn profile or just knowing what you guys are, where you're at now, what would be a job that you've done in the past that would no, no one would ever guess or know that you've done it that would surprise people? Oh, like our, ourselves. You mean not yeah, a job yeah, on the Yeah, just platform. totally personally. Yeah, like just a fun like tidbit, <laughs> something that... I would never guess you've done that in, in your growing up as you, all the different jobs we've done over the years. Uh, yeah, sure. I mean, I, I got paid to do a bit of creative writing at one point. Okay. That, was, uh, that was something that is not on my LinkedIn profile. Fair enough. Um, I was an umpire. And, uh, <laughs> oh, and cool. so, um, yeah, I used to, I was an umpire from a pretty young age. I, you know, maybe some, in like 12 or something like that um you know obviously umpiring very young children at the yeah. time and uh so yeah um that was uh that was probably something i don't have it's not on my linkedin and uh <laughs> i don't know if anyone would look at me and be like that's an umpire right there you know yeah. i think you do have a bit of an umpire look <laughs> I, I was known for being able to really project my voice and uh and so you know when you're in the the championships and there's you know you're when you're at a big sports center and there's five or six uh there would be people that'd be like wow i could hear those strikes from the other uh you know, the but other that's diamonds. a skill and, and and you know a thing you need for that kind of job right is to totally our- not applicable to my <laughs> what I'm doing right now. I'm, you know, yell at the keyboard as you will. Um, yeah. Unless you guys are sharing an office space and you need John's attention right away. But uh, yeah, that, sometimes, that, yeah. yeah. <laughs> awesome. We'll wrap it up here. You guys just stay stay back for two minutes here. We'll chat offline, but we'll uh, we'll end the podcast now, guys. Thanks for joining for rant conversations about the rental industry. Very much, I think what you guys are doing is is very important, and I think. It's a great service for definitely for landlords, but I think as well as for getting contractors out there to solve those those challenges and inherently build trust in the process. So um, keep up the great work. Awesome. Thanks so much. Thank you. Wow. Thank you so much for making it to the end of this episode. I really appreciate it. If you haven't already, please check out singlekey.com. They are the main sponsor of this podcast. And simply put, it wouldn't be possible without them. We want your feedback. So again, if you haven't done that and you've probably already heard the plug, but send us an email at forrent at singlekey.com. We want it all. Comments, suggestions, lessons learned, anything that we can tie into this collective conversation with all these different perspectives to truly better the rental industry. We want it all. So let us know what you're thinking. We'll incorporate it into future shows. And if you haven't already and you want to, please subscribe to us and provide us a rating on your favorite podcast listening platform. We'll see you on the next episode. Thank you.